This is Youpreneur FM, the official podcast of the Youpreneur Mastermind Community, a place where no entrepreneur gets left behind in their pursuit of building a business they can be proud of. And now, and now, here's your host, serial entrepreneur and best-selling author, Chris Ducker. Chris Ducker. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 278 of Youpreneur FM. Thank you very much for being with me. I very much appreciate it. As always, my friend, all got a great show lined up for you today. The one and only Jeffrey Shaw is in the house to talk all about lingo. What's lingo, I hear you ask? Well, we'll find out in a moment. Before we do that, however, just a quick reminder that tickets for this year's Youpreneur Summit taking place in November are now on sale. If you were there last year, you will know, you will remember how much of a life-changing, those were the two words that came up on our attendee survey post-event over and over and over again. You remember how life-changing it really was. If you were not there and you missed out and you had FOMO like crazy from following the hashtag and looking at all the great vlogs and reviews and everything that happened post-event, this is your time right now. Ticket prices will be going up very, very soon. So head over to youpanersummit.com, snag one of those tickets at the lowest price possible, and confirm your space at this year's event. We've got an incredible lineup of speakers. We've got an incredible lineup of surprises and fun and games as we did last year as well. And I just know it's going to be an incredible event all over again. So youpanersummit.com. Make sure you head over there right now and confirm your spot. I'll see you in London in November. So on to my conversation with Jeffrey. What is lingo? Well, it's how to discover your ideal customer secret language and make your business irresistible. It's a brand new book from Jeffrey, pro photographer, coach, mentor, consultant, podcast host, now 100% rocking the world of authorship via this brand new book. Such an inspiring conversation, actually. And and actually a really interesting one because as I started asking questions and getting answers from Jeffrey, it was quite clear that the two of us have quite uh, similar uh, mindsets in regards to how to build our businesses. I know you're going to enjoy it. We actually go through the five-step secret language strategy that you can use to grow your business faster than ever, amongst other things. So get your notebooks ready. You're going to need them. Here's myself and Jeffrey. So Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. I can't wait to get stuck into this conversation because this term, lingo, which is the title of your new book, I, I, I use that term all the time when it comes to sort of management and marketing speech. And so this is, it's, it's a really good time, I think, for us to sit down and chat about this. Exact title of the book for you guys tuning in, Lingo, Discover Your Ideal Customer's Secret Language and Make Your Business irresistible. So, all right, how do we do this? <laughs> Let's break this down a little bit. What I, what I loved about um, the book, and obviously I haven't dived into it completely yet, but what I loved about it from what I saw um, early on was you, what I like the most about this, it's a simple, easy read. And mm -hmm. 
you know, you kind of focus everything around this five-step secret language strategy um, that kind of, you know, is, is what we need to be able to understand what our customers are talking about and what they want to hear from us and all that sort of type of thing. Let's focus in on that for the, for the bulk of this interview because I think, you know, any kind of strategy which has got stepped, stepped out places in, in, in places is a nice way to be able to sort of break it down and start looking at this thing. So before we do that, however, um, why this book? Why now? What kind of prompted you to go ahead? What was the catalyst for you to go ahead and write this one? Awesome. It's a great question. I, I love to hear that you're using the term lingo. I don't think, I, that's my hope. My hope is lingo is the new buzzword in marketing. And I don't, I don't hear people using it a lot. I think, um, it's, I, would love, I think it's very much a sort of a British term. We use it a I lot think, in English. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, they, they do love their, their techie lingo and all this sort of type of stuff, you know? Well, and I'm hoping to put a little spin on it because yes, there is the literal part of lingo, you know, corporate lingo, industry lingos. I look at lingo as the essence of someone, you know, because when we speak a lingo within a community, whether that's a corporate community, but, you know, cultures, the teenagers have a lingo, right? right? So cultures, communities of people have a lingo and that's that's what I want to see as the future of a marketing strategy. I'd like to see business get away from what has been popular, demographics, buyer avatars, uh, pers- you know, buyer personas, avatars, things like that, which have been popular. And it, you know, I'm grateful, hey, it's gotten us this far. It got us to this point. The reason I think lingo and the concept and idea of lingo is, is really relevant now is because I believe the demand from consumers is going to continue to increase that we know more about them than their demographics. If we, in fact, I think people are a little creeped out by what we know about them now, right? Because of cookies and, and tracking on the computer. Yep. What they really want to know is, do you get me? Like, do you understand what makes me tick? Do you understand my lingo, right? You know, that, that inner essence part. I believe that's going to be the demand amongst consumers in order for us to truly earn a relationship of trust with them in order to have their business. So that's why I think this is so important now, because I think moving forward, people are just going to become more suspicious uh, of what the computer knows about them. They want a little bit more of a human interaction. They want to know that we as businesses and brands get who they are, what they're all about, how they live, and that we do it in a, in a meaningful, you know, heartful way that we truly get them and they get us in return. Because I believe it's the, the alignment of values is why people choose to do business with you today. Mm-hmm. I couldn't agree more with you totally. And, I, and this is this is perfectly kind of fitting into my whole kind of P2P or people-to-people relationship-building philosophy and business that we're all about here at Upreneur FM. And I mean, as you know, the audience here at this show are personal brand entrepreneurs. They're people like you and I. They're consultants, speakers, authors, coaches, podcasters, you know, content creators. Um, and so I think th- this overall message is a very, very important one for people, not just building any kind of business in today's world, but even more specifically, a personal brand type of business. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, we, we know that's the trend. I mean, even uh, there was a report done recently, I believe done by Intuit, by published by CNN that said by 2030, 60% of the economy, and I'm, you know, I'm sure it's a I think they're referencing the U.S. economy. I think this is very true in, in any most countries. Sixty uh, percent of the economy is going to be driven by what they call freelancers, independents, mm. entrepreneurs. 
that's a you know it's a huge trend. So that's where it's going. So that's you know that's why the the entrepreneur needs to hear this message. That's what makes it relevant now because this is our time. Like this is our time to kind of step forward and and be leaders in business. In the book, you talk about how lingo as a marketing strategy can ultimately make your competition almost irrelevant. Let's start there and then maybe we'll reverse engineer back a little bit. How does that happen? How can this make our competition irrelevant? You know, because people are emotional and I would challenge anyone listening to look at themselves and their own buying behavior. Every, most of us have something we are deeply passionate about. It could be a hobby, right? You could be into cycling, motorcycling. It could be, uh, you know, a guitar, a musical instrument, uh, even certain brands, you know, whether it's Apple or brands that people are deeply devoted to. We all have things in our lives where price and competition is somewhat irrelevant because we just, we want that brand, you know, or mm. we, uh, Eddie Yoon, I don't know if you've ever interviewed or spoken to Eddie Yoon, who wrote a book called Super Consumers right? You can be a super consumer in a certain category. Like if you're an avid bicyclist and that's, that's where you, your money goes, right? So you we kind of, you want to be that to your customers. You want to be, and that's who I was as a, as a portrait photographer for three decades. You know, I was for affluent families. I became the standout brand mm-hmm. that people just you know, went to. Price became irrelevant. They didn't look at the competition. I was known to be the photographer to serve that clientele and that's with laser focus. People walked towards me. And that's the cool thing, Chris, is that when you build a business with this concept and this, the principles of lingo, people are coming to you, right? You're building an, you're innately building a compelling brand that only your ideal customer. And that's the, really the goal of lingo is to what I say in the book is to bust up the Pareto principle. Not that it isn't a proven fact, but you know, the Pareto principle, 80-20 rule says that 80% of our income comes from 20% of our clients. Your mm-hmm. average entrepreneur cannot afford for eight out of 10 clients to be a waste of their time. Absolutely. We need, right? We need every one of our customers to pay off because standing out amongst our competition is so hard. And the way to do that is to create a relationship with your ideal customer that is so significant to them that they, with laser attention, look at your brand, look at your company to do business with, and they don't, they don't stray. They don't, they don't see the other offerings. Mm, mm, agree. Totally. All right. Let's go. Oh, this is good stuff. Okay. So let's start breaking it down. Give us these five steps here. Not that we want to give them too much, Jeffrey, because we do want them to buy the book. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> let, I don't let, worry let, about it. You can give start, and give, give. People will still want Executive more. summary, so to speak, right? Yeah, sure. Well, I'll tell you, Chris, if we can, here, it's an interesting, I'm glad you're start, You're asking me to start with the five steps, because you know what? I'll tell you a, uh, kind of a funny story here. The book was laid out with five steps and uh, to develop the secret language strategy. And then I got out there starting to do some podcast interviews. And one question kept coming up over and over again, which I didn't expect. People said, well, how do I know who my ideal customer is? I wrote the entire book thinking or assuming people knew who their ideal customer was mm, okay. and found out that's actually the first hang up. People don't know how to define their ideal customer. So before I, so I went back actually and wrote an earlier chapter, re-edited the book so that we could add that into the content. So while there are five steps to developing the secret language strategy, 
one must first answer the first question, which is who is my ideal customer? And the way I suggest one goes about that is actually has less to do about your ideal customer has more to do with whom you are best for. You know, to actually find our ideal customer, we have to start with what is, what is our skill set? And also, what are our unique characteristics that our ideal customer would embrace about us, right? What can we bring to the table that's unique? It actually starts with first understand kind of a little bit more of a self-study. What makes me unique? What makes me stand out? What am I particularly good at? And then the title of that chapter, for example, is called, Who Would Love That?, because that is how you define your ideal customer. Most businesses are built backwards. Most businesses are built the way the business owner or the innovator wants to build it and then spends years trying to fit people into that business. So the this easier is, way this to build... In, sorry, they're interrupt. this, this yeah. is interesting because I, I genuinely believe that great minds do think alike. Like I, I'm 100% sure that that kind of phrase, that adage is thrown around you know, kind of willy nilly, like, you know, just whatever. But I, I really do believe that great minds really do think alike. And the fact that this is at the beginning of your book, and it sounds like there's almost an identical chapter at the beginning of my book. <laughs> wow. I, I, you know, Chris, I agree with you. I believe in like a collective consciousness. Like yes. I just think there are things in the air, right? And people are just yes. jumping on like a wave. Yeah. I totally and what I love it. about it is that you come across two completely different people from very different backgrounds and industries and all the rest of it. They talk about the same subject, but they have very different, you know, very different ways of being able to discuss and kind of highlight that sort of type of situation. And I think it's great that, you know, here we are sort of, you know, just on, on the back end of the launch of rise of the Upreneur, where here we are talking about the exact same thing in quite an unrelated book to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, but, with a, with a very sort of you know similar rhetoric to begin with, I I love that. I think it just, I do it just goes to show yeah. you that you should be on this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and also to me, it validates that the world needs this, right? To me, this is right. validating. When I hear, when I see, uh, when I get confirmation that what I'm working on is similar to what other people are working on, like yourself, especially for someone like yourself who's been a leader in entrepreneurship for so long, like that. That's so validating to me. It's like yes, this there's a call for it which is why you know you and I are attuned. And that's largely what lingo is about. A lingo is largely about empathy. And I've always said that I think my greatest uh, fortunate superpower, if you will, in business has always been empathy. It's always been an ability to pick up on where I think business is going mm -hmm. and also the empathy of individuals. And I think empathy is an incredibly valuable marketing tool today. Um, so, yeah, I, I love to hear that you're you're you have a chapter that's similar. That that's like I said, it's validating. That's awesome. That means this, this the world needs to hear what you and I have to say about this on this topic. Yeah, indeed it does. Okay, good. Yeah. So all right, let's, so let's the five steps. We know who we are and and how unique we are, yeah. and we know who we're selling to. What do we? Where do we go next? Yeah. So the first step is you have to know the and understand the perspective of your ideal customer. Right, so you've determined who your ideal customer is. Now, just a brief synopsis of my story here is uh, when I set out as a portrait photographer at 20 years old, I, went, I started out in my hometown, which was a lower middle-class community about two hours north of New York City. Hmm. Failed miserably for three years. Figured, you know, something has to, something's different here. And I actually had a, uh, I got a clue from a what I thought would be a prospective client 
who, uh, after I made my best pitch, she said to me, she looked at me, she said, that sounds great and all, because I'm talking about, you know, the value of portraits, handing them down. It's important to have them from generations and children's memories. And she says, that sounds great and all, but I don't have the luxury of worrying about my children's memories. I'm not sure how I'm paying my rent this month. (laughs) Right. Right? And I realized, man, I am barking up the wrong tree here. Like I am trying to sell long-term values to a community that doesn't know if they can get by. And of course I should have known that. That was my own family. So I realized that I needed to reinvent what I was doing for people that shared that value. And that who I determined that to be was she gave me the answer, the luxury market. Now, mind you, Chris, I'm a lower middle class kid from a country town. I know nothing about the luxury market or affluence at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I did the only thing I could think of, which was to go into New York City and start visiting other high end brands and, and try to understand not the brands, not the companies, but to understand the people who went there. So, and, and I tell the story in lingo about my first trip to Bergdorf Goodman, which was a turning point moment for me. But the whole reason of doing this was so that I could gain an understanding of the perspective of a clientele I knew nothing about. Now, most people don't necessarily serve customers that are probably as dramatically different from my, with my beginning perspective to what I needed to understand. But I think that's what helped me a lot is because the, the extreme, the example is so extreme. But step number one, before you can go past go, move any forward, uh, you have to understand what the perspective is of your ideal customer, how they look at the world, what they're used to seeing when they go shopping or dining or just experience the world. Are they innately optimistic, pessimistic, whatever, but you have to, with a non-judgmental way, you have to understand what does the world look like from their perspective so that you could then build a business that they want to walk into? Hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense to you? Totally. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm enthralled. I'm, I'm, I'm poking <laughs> this all up. It's great stuff. You know, I, I love when I talk to somebody and I'm sort of busy, just totally consumed with what they're saying. So this is so good. I know my audience feels the same way. Keep going. I lo- I'm loving this. Excellent. Well, the second step then is familiarity. I love, this is my pretty much my favorite step because I, th- I think it's often overlooked, but we are, as consumers, moved by what is familiar to us. We're, in fact, we're drawn to what's familiar to us, right? Because familiarity creates comfort. Hmm. The example I love to give is if you've ever traveled in a country where you don't speak the native language, uh, I, I can remember distinctly remembering this vacation in Italy for the first time with my kids being on a boat in the Grand Canal and everybody around me is speaking Italian, which I don't speak and or at least not fluently. And, you know, it just becomes white noise just as the market does, right? When there's just this, this overwhelming amount of noise, it's just white noise. But the moment someone spoke English, <laughs> it was to in my, to my ears was at a higher volume and much more clear than <laughs> anything else around it. Right. Right. Because it's familiar. It's native to me. That's our customers. Your ideal customers also have that same need from familiarity. And that's one of the ways that you completely stand out from your competition is when you build a business that, that evokes that feeling of familiarity to them, where it just stands out above everything else. And it gives them comfort to know, wow, this is, I'm in the right place. This is the business, the brand that I want to do business with. Mm. Okay, good. Number two, familiarity. Go. Number three. Yeah. Number three is style. Now, style is much more surface level than familiarity, but 
equally important because style is the decision maker. We make decisions every day and instantly we make decisions on whether some, the style of something resonates for us. You know, you walk down any main street shopping or a mall, you look to your left, you look to your right. We're deciding, no, that brand's for me. No, that store's not for me. That one is, right? We make instant decisions based on whether the style is, is of our own nature, Right, I, I like to joke, you know, my the years of looking at Abercrombie and Fitch and that being a brand for me are long gone. But I look to the other side of the mall and I see Ted Baker and I'm like, all right, that's my style now. Right? Yeah, you've <laughs> grown up. <laughs> you've grown up. Yeah, that's my style now, you know. Right. So it's we make decisions like this every day. So therefore, you want to be the decision. If you want to be the decision amongst your ideal customer, you understanding their perspective, you understand also what style resonates for them. And it's, you know, start with, hey, is it traditional or contemporary? Like, how do they, see, how do, what, what style feels familiar to them? So if, if somebody is uh, really uncomfortable in an ultra contemporary situation, then of course you wouldn't want to create that, right? So you want to create a style that, that resonates for them so that they make a quick decision because they're, they're flipping through websites. They're, as I, I compare websites to uh, shirts on a rack, right? If you go to a TJ Maxx, all the mediums are in one section of various brands. And we flip through that rack like we flip through pages on a website. And what makes us stop? It's the style. Like the right. style of that shirt stops you in your tracks. Same thing with the website. As one is looking for your service and glances. And you know, I do this with hotels all the time. I, it, like you, I travel a lot. I'm always booking a lot of hotels. I know the style I like. I'll flip through the hotels that are available in that area and boom, I see one that's kind of warm and contemporary. Uh, I look at the gallery of photographs first and then the rate. Right. Yes. <laughs> at first no, one, you, I know, right. I do exactly the same thing. I do exactly the same. And, and I don't know about you, but I find that, you know, there are obviously there are several cities that I will visit over and over and over again. Um, and, once I find a hotel that I really like, the location's good, the beds are comfortable, um, I never go to another hotel. Ever. Absolutely. I, I'm yeah, or even a chain. Habit. I go back over right. and over and over again. Right. Even a chain. Like I'm a pretty big fan of, of uh, W Hotels, right? Because I can pretty much count on W Hotels yes. looking a certain way and feeling a certain way to me. It's a style and familiarity that I like. So I don't look too much further. I just look for a UW hotel in that city and that's, I can pretty much count on it being a fit for me. And we do, I mean, like as consumers ourselves, I mean, we, we want to feel comfortable. We want to feel loved. We want the kind of, you know, and it goes beyond the loyalty points and all that sort of type of thing. But I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said for someone welcoming you at a hotel or at a coffee shop and, and, you know, remembering your name or, you know, knowing your face, Hey, welcome back again, or something like that. I mean, I, yeah. I have, uh, I have one particular coffee shop in San Diego. Every time I'm in San Diego, I will, even if I'm not staying close by, uh, which is rare because I usually am. Um, but even if I'm not, I will gladly walk six, seven blocks. Uh, if I'm further away, I'll gladly hop in an Uber and go to a place called Papaleco's, which is an Italian family-owned uh, coffee shop in, in San Diego. And it is incredible. Hmm. Coffee is great. The service is great. The atmosphere is amazing. It's a small little place. You have to sit out on the street if it's full up inside. And I just absolutely love the place. And what do I do? When I leave San Diego, you bet your bottom dollar. 
that I've got two or three bags of beans from Papaleco in my suitcase. You know what I mean? It's that kind of brand um, uh, awareness and loyalty that I think a lot of people aren't spending time developing and they're going to lose in the long run because of it. Yeah. And, you know, and hey, they may be putting forward their best effort. They may be confident that they're the best in their category. Mm-hmm. But it's more than that. You know, you go to that coffee shop, not just because it's, and it may or may not even be the best coffee. I mean, I, I, a quote I say often is people don't choose you because you're the best. People choose you because you get them and they get you. Mm-hmm. Because playing the best game is a losing battle. Like, you know, yeah. I, I, will, I will never say I was the best photographer in the US that deserved the business that I, that I acquired. It was, I understood the people probably better than any other photographer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, I understood who I was serving. And that's, I bet that's a feeling you get. And I love the fact that, like you said, you went way, you're willing to go way to your way. I'm sure prices are relevant, whether it's more or less, just irrelevant, because it's the, the feeling that you get that they, they remember you, they care. In my photography business, when I used to have a storefront, we used to, um, the first time we served a client coffee, we would mark in their file how they took their coffee there so that go. the next time they right. came in, we prepared their coffee already for them. And they would be blown away by the details. Yes. But that's, that's always where it lies, right? And how you make people feel at home um, is, is in the details. It's the little things, the little things. Yeah. All right, number yeah. three, style. Number four. Number four is pricing psychology. And I love this because it's so powerful. Pricing creates perception. You know, and people have so often think about this backwards. The first thing I ask my coaching clients when we get working on the pricing in their business, the first thing I ask them is what perception of your business do you want people to have, right? You first decide, how do you want people to perceive your business? Do you want to be perceived as quality? Do you want to be perceived as convenient? Do you want to be perceived as, uh, you know, affordable? You first decide, how do you want to be perceived and then price accordingly, because pricing done well should magnetize your ideal customer. We worry all the time about our prices repelling our customers. They don't. Good pricing psychology draws them in. Chris, one of the things that drives me most crazy, and, and you, we see this all the time in the world, all the marketing that is done today that is priced at you know, $497, $147, $197, $997. Right. You know, and those very same businesses complain that their customers are nickel and diming them. And I'm like, do you understand you're speaking the discount language? Right. You know, right. if you want people that just call it what it is, then just call it a thousand dollars, not nine ninety seven, because you're innately calling forward people that you think can be deceived by that three dollars. Um, I'd rather make it just look like a thousand dollars. And if you sure. look at the psychology of pricing, you know, and again, I've done so many studies of brands on on various ends. In high end pricing, the pricing is vague and rounded off. On the low end, you've got the Walmart psychology. Everything's priced down to the 100th of a cent. Very cost conscious because the message there is they, they want their customers to know that they're not paying more than 100%, 100% uh, percent of it than they have to. Right, right, right. Um, where on the high end, it's meant to be vague. The other, I think, interesting comparison about pricing psychology is even just the way it's laid out. Now, if you go into, you know, think about it, you walk into any typical department store, you walk in the front door, the first thing you see are a whole bunch of registers lined up. It's a very cost conscious transactional environment. You go into, for that matter, you go into a Greek diner, right? The first thing you see when you walk into a diner is a, a register and a bowl of mints. 
You go into a high-end store, you're hard-pressed to find a register. Right. right. They're elegantly tucked away, right? Because it's not meant to be a cost-conscious environment. So they actually remove the registers from view. So you actually, as the entrepreneur in business, have the power to decide how you want to be perceived and then price accordingly. Don't price yourself low-end and expect to be perceived as high-end. It will never work. It will not. I could not agree no. with you more. It's one of the things that um, I've I've been going on about for years, particularly actually with coaches and consultants, because you know there's a, that that there's a lot of people that either identify with those two words for, for what they do, or they will do at some point in the future. Um, and I mean, you know, I know, you know, a lot of, you know, professional speakers as I do. Um, if you're a professional speaker, you're also going to do high end consulting gigs. It's just, it goes hand in hand. Um, and, and so the one thing that drives me mad is when I see someone with, you know, 10, five or 10 years, 15, 25 years worth of experience under their belt and they're charging nothing compared to what they should be charging for their time and their, their energy and their expertise. And, you know, I always say like, you know, charge what you're worth and don't apologize. Exactly. It's yeah. And, so and huge. And I really want people to get that into their heads now. Yeah. You know, it's very important. You're totally, totally right. Yeah, no, charge what you're worth and build the brand and, and everything that magnetizes the customers that are willing to pay that. It does. Right? But don't, yeah. People too often, it's a, so often it's a race to the bottom, right? People bring their prices down to what they think they can get as opposed to this is what I think I'm worth. There is mm-hmm. an audience out there that will pay that. Yeah, agreed. All right, number four, everything pricing. What's our last step here on understanding exactly what our customers are thinking, how they're talking. The fifth step is words. I mean, you can't write a book called Lingo and not include a chapter on words, but here's (laughs) what I like to point out, which I don't think is obvious to people, is it's the last of the five steps. Without, without, uh, I guess, one reading the the book or pointing it out, people don't realize that usually when people go into business, the first thing they do is load up their websites with a whole bunch of words. And I sit there and scratch my head and say, how can you, if you don't yet understand who your ideal customer is, you're, you can't possibly be speaking their secret language. You can't possibly be speaking their lingo. So that's why words is actually the last of the five steps because now you, you, know, you know their perspective. You know what feels familiar to them. You understand what style resonates for them. You understand the perception you want to create for your business through pricing. Now you can use words and apply words in your business through your website, through uh, a marketing strategy I teach in lingo called self-identifying questions, which I think is one of the most powerful marketing uh, techniques I've ever come across. Uh, Self-identifying questions are by you knowing the the perspective of your ideal customer so well, you're posing questions that are the thoughts that are already in their head, Mm. right? So they're self-identifying themselves as your customer, right? So in my my business, I'll ask something like, you know, have you reached a plateau in your business? You know, you're capable of more, more, you're just not sure how to get there. Right. So that calls forward the experienced entrepreneur, not the startup. Right. Um, but you can ask very specific questions that literally feel to the, the audience, if you will, that you are speaking their language. Like, man, this person is like they're in my head. Right. And people will, will walk through fire to, to work with you because they feel like, wow, this person really gets me. 
It's good stuff. I'm loving this. So, all right, one final question then here as we wrap up. Um, how do you see, I mean, obviously, like I said, the top of the show, people who tune in the Upreneur FM, they are personal brand entrepreneurs. They identify with the idea of building a business based around them, their expertise, and the people that they want to serve. If you were to sit down, and I'm sure you've done on a number of occasions, with a group of people you know, within that kind of sphere of business, if you were to give them with one last parting kind of tip or tactic or strategy or whatever, thought even, what would it be in regards to effectively and authentically building a business that's ultimately going to become future-proof going forward? You know, probably the thing entrepreneurs like to hear the most, which is to pause, Mm -hmm. right? Because we get moving so fast, we just keep doing the same old thing. And you, you must, in today's world, we must be highly sensitive to not just trends and the way the world is changing, but you know what? Human psychology and what, what emotionally triggers people also changes at a very rapid rate. You know, look at the value of time. It used to be, and I've always been a high ticket brand, whether I was a photographer or a coach, you know, whatever I've always done. But as a, as a photographer, for example, which, you know, 33 years ago when I started, people perceived value by having a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that much long after, I mean, yeah, it's three decades later now, but it's already been this way for probably a good 15 years where people would pay you more to save them time, right? So if you're still marketing yourself as, you know, the quality that what you do takes time, that's no longer appealing to people. What's appealing to people is how can you save them time? I think something entrepreneurs don't spend enough time looking at because we spend so much time doing our work and we also spend a fair amount of time looking at market trends, but we don't spend enough time with, I think, is looking at how just simple human nature is changing and it's changing at a pretty rapid rate, mm-hmm. whether it's whether they feel they can trust, whether because trust comes and goes you know, rapidly. All you need is a, a couple of companies to break trust and a lot of people get very suspicious whether you're a market or not because you know chris as you know we're no longer compared even or just in our own industry we're compared worldwide across all industries by our level of service right so if if there's a era i mean we see this in the nation's economy too you know if there's if there's a distrust if there's an uncertainty in the economy uncertainty in the future the entire economy suffers. So I think we need to, when I say we need to pause, it's to just pause from whatever you're doing, whether you're a startup, whether you've been in business for a long time, but pause long enough to take a true evaluation is of what makes people tick today. Your ideal customer, what are really their values? Are they cost conscious? Are they time conscious? Are they value conscious? Like how are they thinking? so that you can then build a business that that just stands out above the rest for them. I love it. It's great. What a great way to end. You heard it, everybody. Go out and do likewise. Um, new book is Lingo. The author and the guest is Jeffrey Shaw. Man, it was great to have you on the show to deep dive on this, but not too deep that they don't want to go in ahead and pick up the book now. Um, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. I, I, Thank I, you. Honestly, brother, I, I think that um, I think that, you know there's a lot of synergy here between what you're talking about and what I chat about every single week on the show, in the book, 
you know, live on stage, the whole kit and caboodle. I, I think that uh, people need to hear this message from you. Um, it's something that I am very close to myself and I, and, and clearly uh, there's some synergy there. And I, and I thank you for being on the show. It's great to have you. Well, it's truly by my pleasure. And I had a feeling there's going to be a good synergy between us. So thank you for that. And uh, I'm glad to be here with you. All right, my man. Of you guys tuning in, thank you for taking time one more time. I always say that you could be tuning into any podcast right now, but you picked mine to spend time with me and my guest today. And I very much appreciate you for it. We will be back at you again next week for another episode. Until then, take good care. If you enjoyed today's show, I'd love for you to check out the Youpreneur Mastermind community. It's the go-to resource for everyone wanting to build a profitable, future-proof business based around their experience and those that they want to serve. So whether you're just starting out or if you've been working hard on your personal brand and building your online platform for a while, the Youpreneur Mastermind community can help you take everything you've been doing to the next level. With lots of training, live mastermind calls, and thriving community forums where you can get the feedback, advice, and more energy and encouragement than you'll know what to do with, the Youpreneur Mastermind community is the perfect place for anyone wanting to learn how to build, market, and monetize their personal brand. For more info and to get started on your new Youpreneur journey, head over to youpreneur.com today. I'll see you on the inside.